It's on page 884 of the ESV Pew Bibles. Let's go to the Lord and pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Easter Sunday. We thank you for the, the power of the resurrection, crushing all enemies, sin, death. Father, that Jesus Christ is victorious, that he is, has ascended and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is ruling and reigning. And Father, we understand from your word that he will come again. Father, as we open your word this morning, we once again ask for the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, show us what you want to teach us out of this resurrection account. And may you receive all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Out of the blue means without warning. It means something completely unexpected. The roots of this phrase can be traced back in the late 1800s where something unexpected was compared to a lightning bolt, bolt striking out of the clear blue sky. We still use this phrase from time to time when something happens that's unexpected or surprising or shocking. We often say it happens out of the blue. In fact, sometimes we use this phrase to describe the sudden death of a family member or a friend. We, we say something like, well, you know, I just talked to them last week and they seemed fine and they didn't have any underlying health conditions. It was completely out of the blue. So we use this phrase to describe an unexpected death. Have we ever used this phrase to describe an unexpected rising from the dead? Probably not. When we look at Luke's account of the resurrection, it seems like his resurrection was out of the blue. It seems like to his closest disciples, it was unexpected. Even to those who he told ahead of time, it seemed like it was without warning. So this morning, as we look at this passage, we want to understand, first of all, why was his resurrection out of the blue to his closest disciples, even after he told them? And then secondly, when Jesus returns, when our resurrected king returns, will that be out of the blue? So let's look at these verses, just the first 12 verses of Luke 24, the resurrection account. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. 
Luke begins his account on, on Easter morning, on, on the resurrection morning, and it starts off giving a picture of things going as expected. The, the women were going to the tomb to finish this customary burial preparation. Now, Jesus had died on Friday, and they were now here after the Sabbath on Saturday, on Sunday, to complete this work. So they were bringing spices and ointments. Upon arrival, they found the stone rolled away. This would have been unusual, puzzling, maybe a little disturbing. They went into the tomb and they did not find Jesus' body. Verse 4 tells us they were perplexed, which means to be at a loss, to not have an answer, to, to be dumbstruck. Suddenly two angels appeared, and the angel, of course, means messenger, and so they delivered their message. Number one, Jesus is alive, not dead. Number two, Jesus is not here, but he has risen. And number three, they call the women to remember what he had spoken to them while he was alive. And then look at verse 7. It says, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Now that is almost word for word exactly what Jesus told them while he was alive. We can compare this with what he said in Luke 9.22. The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Same thing. He told them ahead of time. Verse 8, and they remembered his words. Jesus told them ahead of time. Jesus called it ahead of time, and he communicated it to his disciples. And yet when it happened, it was still out of the blue. It was still unexpected. It still came without warning. I mean, let's face it, if they had expected the resurrection, they wouldn't be showing up with the spices and ointments to continue preparing the dead body. It was, it was out of the blue. News of the resurrection spread quickly. They went to the apostles, Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons, demons had been cast out of. Uh, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, was Herod's household manager. Mary, the mother of James, and some other women who are unidentified and, and unnamed. So after these women relate everything that happened, including the angelic message, the apostles did not believe them. Why? Because it was so out of the blue. In fact, this seemed so fantastical that it says their words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. An idle tale, meaning totally devoid of anything worthwhile. Nonsense delirious talk. That's how it came across to the apostles who were the closest people to Jesus as he walked the earth. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you have disbelieved someone because what they're telling you is too out there. Several years ago, I met a man and he began talking to me and somehow the conversation turned to antibacterial soap. The same soap that we probably have in our own homes that you pump out of the dispenser. And he began saying that this was a danger and that some bacteria is good at our hands and we need that and the antibacterial soap is going to kill us all. He said there, there are hospitals filled with people already down south near Atlanta and, and people are dying and if we don't get rid of antibacterial soap, 
we're all going to die. To which I said, okay. <laughs> the women who were at the tomb told the apostles, we, we went and Jesus wasn't there. And then, all, and then all of a sudden there were these angels and they talked to us and he said he's risen. And they said, remember, and we didn't remember. Remember, remember, he told us he was going to rise. Jesus rose from the grave. Okay. Okay. Whatever you say. The point is that the idea that Jesus rising from the grave was so out of the blue that it was not believed by those who were closest to him. They dismissed the idea as nonsense. Finally, in verse 12, Peter and John tells us in his account that he was with Peter, ran to the tomb, they saw the linen burial cloths, and went home marveling, which means to wonder or be amazed. Something happened here. Whatever it was, it was out of the blow. It was unexpected. Now, we want to answer two questions this morning. Let's keep it very simple. Number one, was, or excuse me, why was the resurrection of Jesus Christ out of the blue to those who were closest to him and those who he had told ahead of time that it was going to happen? Why? And number two, when our resurrected king returns, will that also be out of the blue? Number one, why was the resurrection of Jesus out of the blue even for his disciples? If we were to keep reading through this passage and we were to make our way over on to the page to verse 44, we would read this. It says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. To understand why they didn't understand it, to, to understand why it was so out of the blue for them, we, we look at this passage and we realize that when Jesus says Moses, prophets, and Psalms, that's a way of him describing everything contained in the Old Covenant. Everything from Genesis to Malachi, that's what they had. Everything from Matthew to Revelation, so the last part of our Bibles, they did not have. And this tells us that God did not disclose his entire revelation and his entire redemptive plan all at once. On the opening pages of Scripture in Genesis 3, when we see the fall of Adam and the fall of mankind through his representation, we don't see God laying out the entire plan. We don't see mention of uh, three days and then rise from the grave and there's going to be a tomb. And we, we don't have everything, let alone everything that's written in the New Testament. No. God, in his wisdom, gave his revelation to his image bearers a little bit at a time over the span of many, many years. It's kind of like a dimmer switch. We, we, I think most of us have at least one of these in our home or we, we're familiar with them. If you turn the dimmer switch down, it allows maybe anywhere between 1 to 2 to maybe 5% of the total light on the lowest setting. It's very hard to see. But then as you slide the dimmer switcher up, it progressively gets lighter and lighter and then finally you shove it all the way up and it's full light. Everything that that electrical component is supposed to put out is being put out. It doesn't get any brighter than that. That's 
Kind of like progressive revelation. God gave us a little bit, a little bit more. And then finally, we now have all 66 books. We have the complete canon. The dimmer switch is on high. It's not going to get any brighter than this. We have everything. We have all of God's revelation to us at our fingertips right now. And concerning the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus in particular, God did not want to reveal the details of the cross and the resurrection until after the cross and the resurrection took place. And there's several reasons for that. Number one, I think I hope we can all understand this. The disciples, um, the, the, the women witnesses, uh, the, the apostles, Peter, um, John, uh, the Jewish leadership, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the Romans, Pilate, everybody, if they had known everything that was going to happen, if they had known everything there was to know about the cross and the resurrection and about Jesus and who he was and everything that we have in the New Testament, I hope we can all understand that things would have went a little differently. They would have acted differently. They would have taken different steps. They would have responded to things differently. And they wouldn't have unfolded as they did and as they are recorded in the New Testament. So that's one reason. But on a larger scale, God was waiting for the right moment to reveal and fully disclose the plan of redemption through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the right moment was after the resurrection not before the dismantling of the entire sacrificial system, the elimination of the priesthood, the sending of the Holy Spirit, the inclusion of Gentiles into the covenant community, all these things have been decreed by God and were designed to take place at a certain time with precision. God knows what he's doing. And those things happen in order for a reason. In his perfect wisdom, he held back understanding about the resurrection from his disciples and everyone else until after the resurrection. Now, he told them in advance. And that's why we have verses like uh, Luke 9.22. That's why we have verses like um, Psalm 16, which talks about his Holy One not seeing corruption, his body not seeing decay. We have all kinds of verses where God has told them and told us ahead of time that these things were going to take place but he withheld understanding until after the cross and resurrection. And the reason he told them ahead of time is so that he could do exactly this, what the angel said to the women. Remember what he told you ahead of time. He can go back in in Luke 24, 44. He can can say, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He can say, look back, see, I told you. See, it is written. So the reason, to answer the question, why was it out of the blue, even to his closest disciples, and even though they had been told ahead of time, it's because God had not allowed them to see and understand the meaning of his word. While he was with them before the cross, it was not yet time. It was only after he rose from the grave that God gave them understanding. He literally says, he opened their minds to understand the scripture. So that's the answer to question number one. What about number two? When our resurrected king returns, will that be out of the blue? And the answer is yes and no. It depends. And it depends on whether or not you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's handle the first group. For those in Christ, the answer is no. The return of Christ will not 
be completely unexpected. It will not be out of the blue. And the reason is, although we are told ahead of time, the understanding of those scriptures is not being withheld. The dimmer switches all the way up. We have the Holy Spirit illuminating our hearts and minds. We have the Holy Spirit teaching us the things of Scripture. There's nothing being held back. When God tells us that he's going to return, we understand what that means. It means he's returning. It's not going to be out of the blue. Now let's stick a disclaimer in here. No one knows the day or the hour, or the month, or the year, but we know he's returning. It's not going to surprise us in the sense of, Oh, I didn't see that one coming. That was completely out of the blue. The fact that we've been asking a question about whether his return or not will be unexpected tells us that we're already aware that he is going to return. In fact, the return of Jesus Christ is such a fundamental component of Christian doctrine and teaching that it has been solidified in our creeds, in our confessions. Every time we come to the table, we stand up and we recite the Apostles' Creed together. And within that creed, it says, on the third day he rose again, there's the resurrection, he ascended into heaven, there's the ascension, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, that's the session of Christ, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. So there we have the resurrection and the return of Christ side by side. We confess it. The church has been confessing it for hundreds of years. Hardly out of the blue. We have solid biblical reason for expecting Jesus' return. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And then Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And these are just a few selected verses. They're, it's all over. The Bible plainly tell us, tells us that Jesus is going to return. I mean, look at that Hebrews verse again. It says that his church are eagerly waiting for him. That's not out of the blue. That's expected. Not only are we, aware, are we aware of Christ's return, but we are making ourselves ready and we are waiting for him. So whenever he returns, it will not be out of the blue for believers. We are expecting it. We're confessing it. We are waiting for it. We're preparing it for it. It's not out of the blue. However, the return of Jesus Christ will be out of the blue for unbelievers. Unbelievers, by definition, do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not believe he is who he claimed to be. They do not believe he is the Son of God. So if someone does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then they certainly don't believe that Jesus is returning a second time, uh, the exalted Christ returning in judgment to gather his elect. That, that's just not something they're going to believe. So for unbelievers, the return will be out of the blue. Listen to this one passage and note specifically how it contrasts believers with unbelievers. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-4 For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction 
will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Do you hear the contrast? He's writing to the church, the church in Thessalonica. And he's saying, you're not going to be surprised when our resurrected king returns, but unbelievers will be. They will find themselves unprepared. They're they're going to be thinking that things are going great. Things are just fine. Peace. Security. I have nothing to worry about. And then suddenly, it will come upon them. What's the definition of out of the blue again? Something that comes suddenly, unexpectedly, without warning. The most sobering words of this passage are, and they will not escape. Now listen closely. If, if you're here this morning and you don't normally uh, attend church or don't normally attend a worship service. Maybe you were invited by a family member or a friend. Or, or maybe you're here because your mom and dad made you come. Or, or maybe this is just the one day out of the year where you do decide to come to a worship service. Or maybe for some reason you really can't even put your finger on you showed up today. I want you to carefully consider these words. And they will not escape. It's been said that written over the gates of hell is, it's too late. There is no escape. The good news of Jesus Christ is that the cross, because of the cross and the resurrection, it's not too late today. It's not too late now. Scripture tells us, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The good news of Jesus Christ is that it is not too late now. If you hear nothing else from this sermon, hear this. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to receive forgiveness of sins and to be made right with God. Faith in Jesus. Acts 17, 30-31 says this. He commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the biggest signpost, the biggest message, the biggest authenticating seal on Jesus Christ, saying he is who he claims to be. He is the Son of God. Everything in here, everything in the Bible, it's true. How do you know? Because Jesus rose from the dead. No one else can do that. No one else comes back from the dead. The identity of Jesus, the veracity of the gospel message, it's proven and shown to be true by the resurrection of Christ. And the message is repent and believe. That's the message of the cross. That's the message of the resurrection. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of the church. That's the message of Jesus. Repent and believe. Repent means turn away from sin. Whatever the Bible calls sin, that's sin. Repent. Turn away from it. Take concrete steps to eliminate it from your life. Cut it out. Remove it. Throw it out. And turn to faith in Jesus Christ. And believe. Well, believe what, specifically? Believe that he lived the sinless life. You and I do not have a sinless life. Amen to that? We're none, of us, none of us are perfect. 
We've all sinned. We've all broken the law of God. Jesus did not break the law of God. Jesus lived a perfectly moral, righteous life. That's why the message of the gospel is all about Jesus Christ and not about us being good enough. If we had a dollar for every time we heard somebody said, yeah, I think I'm going to get into heaven because you know I've been good enough. That's not how it works. If it were possible to get into heaven or to be made right with God by being good enough, then we don't need Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. The Son of God dying for the cross, irrelevant if it's possible to get in by our own good works. So believe that Jesus lived the perfect life that God demands. When we place our faith and trust in him, God credits that perfect moral righteousness to the believer. So that when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the perfect righteousness of Christ. It's on that basis that we are allowed into heaven. Believe also that he took the penalty for your sin on the cross. God is a just judge, a just and righteous judge. He has to punish sin. He can't just say, don't worry about it. He has to punish it. So for the real sin that you and I have committed, he must punish that. He can either punish us and we can receive the wrath of God in eternity and hell or we can have it poured out on Jesus and have him pay the penalty for us and that's what God has done when Jesus went to the cross it wasn't just him dying as horrific as that was on the cross he received the full wrath of God for the sins of every single person that would put his faith in or had put his faith in him he paid the penalty that's the good news. And that's what we are to believe. It's not Jesus plus your own good works. It's Christ alone. It's faith alone. There's one more verse I want us to consider. It's Acts 1, 9 through 11. And it says this, And when he, meaning Jesus, had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was gazing into heaven, excuse me, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This tells us that Jesus ascended into heaven by going up on a cloud. That means he literally went up into the blue sky. And then it tells us he's going to return in exactly the same way. So we understand that Jesus is very well going to be returning out of the blue. But he will not be returning unexpectedly for those who have put their faith and trust in him. The resurrected King, Lord Jesus Christ, is coming. Repent and believe in Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for your word, for showing us clearly that our Lord not only died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, but has risen from the grave, has ascended into heaven, and is coming again soon. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy upon us. We thank you for the way that you have provided, and that way is faith in Christ, so we can be made right 
with you so our sins can be forgiven and that we can have life. We pray that everyone here this morning repents of their sin and places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen.